foot enthusiasts, minimal footwear lovers, or anyone trying to fix your own feet, I'm heading to North Carolina this May to lead a live, in-person, three-day retreat all about feet. I'm going to be at the Art of Living Retreat Center, which is up in the mountains of North Carolina. It's so beautiful there. And are you ready to hear what I'm calling it? The retreat is called Healing Your Soul, a stepwise approach to building forever functional feet. That's so good, right? If you want to learn all about how to take care of the muscles, bones, joints, fascia, and nerves of the feet, and learn how strong feet and ankles relate to sustainable hips and knees, this event is for you. In addition to the classroom and movement time with me, you're on retreat. So there's delicious meals, a nature-rich campus that you can explore on foot, and plenty of time for rest and relaxation, all included. A retreat is a perfect way to care for yourself in the moment, but also in the future. You are coming to learn a massive toolkit of information. So whether you're a competitive runner, a dynamic ager, or a healthcare practitioner, this is a weekend full of movement for you and your feet. And like I said, you're gonna leave with a toolkit and a big swag bag that you can use to train your feet for life. For more information about the movement sessions, the food, the center, head to my website, nutritiousmovement.com slash retreat. That's nutritiousmovement.com slash retreat. This is Katie B, and you are about to listen to an early episode of my podcast. Now the show is called The Move Your DNA Podcast, and you can find all episode transcripts and the show notes to this episode at nutritiousmovement.com slash podcast. Enjoy. It's the Katie Says Podcast, where movement geek Danny Hammett, that's me, joins biomechanist Katie Bowman, author of Move Your DNA, for discussions on body mechanics, movement nutrition, natural movement, and how movement can be the solution to modern ailments we all experience. Hi. Hi. You have news. I have news. (laughs) I forwarded you this morning the... I don't. I, I know what it is. I think you can read magazines on a on a device now, right? Do you have a, a magazine subscription? Do you have a device? Are you a booker? You're a book person, right? <sighs> I'm a book person, yeah. but I do have a device. But you do usually have to have, I think, a subscription yeah. for some stuff. Yeah. So they actually, you can get your magazines on your device, and so that's what I forwarded you. I forwarded you shots that someone else had taken from their device of a magazine that I was in this month. So no one, as far as I know, has actually seen the paper copy. I'm going to I'm gonna walk down to the grocery store to get a copy of Get Your Pearls On, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Good Housekeeping Magazine. Yeah, but I'm thinking we don't need pearls anymore after you were in the magazine. I mean, I've, I have officially... Girl. I have broken Good Housekeeping Magazine. You broke Good Housekeeping. I broke Good Housekeeping, well yes. <laughs> I was pretty impressed when I saw the title of it. It was cool. So the column is called Housekeeping on the Edge. Oh, my gosh. Exploring the brave new world of homemaking. So here's what's interesting. Not only not only did I break good housekeeping by featuring a house that doesn't have furniture, dun, 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 but also this is the first of this new column, 
housekeeping on mm. the end. So this is a new. Oh, I this didn't is know a, that. Yes, good housekeeping. It's a new itself. feature then. I I didn't break anybody. Good housekeeping was like, okay, it's time. It's time to expand our understanding of a good home. Right. I was close. The the tagline is the subheading is exploring the brave new world of homemaking. Yeah. That is cool. Yeah. And so I think what happened is they saw some of my stuff and in discussing it, decided on a whole new column. So it's kind of crazy. Like, what? Wow. You're such a vanguard. You, I, I, I am. Love I don't, it. I don't I love even it. know what that means. But yes. Yeah, so it, it means you're out and you're out in front of everybody. I love it. It says this family, the the title of the article, this family traded mattresses for monkey bars. Mm-hmm. They cleared out a bedroom to make way for more play. They have no TV, no chairs, and no hangups about their unconventional ergonomic home. So anyway, that's on the stands. February, Good Housekeeping Magazine, 2016. I'm done. Mic drop. I'm done for the rest of the year. Taking good. the rest of the year off. Oh, except good. for this podcast. Good one on you. Yeah, we got we to gotta do that. And interesting enough, because this is going to kind of, I think, segue in today's show, I was in another magazine this month, January. I guess it would be the January issue. So we're recording this good, you know, the February issue of Good Housekeeping. Every issue comes over, like, comes out 10 days in the preceding month. Mm-hmm. If you're hearing this on the second, stop, put your headphones on, and walk down to the store and get it before it goes off the stands. Good housekeeping, <laughs> flying off the stands. It's yes. insane. <laughs> but I was in Dr. Oz's magazine this month as well with a snippet, an excerpt of Don't Just Sit There, the section that mm-hmm. in the book is called Office A dollar sign dollar sign is a real thing. Oh, that's the name of the that's the name well, of the subheading. You should give everybody a second to put that together. I know. So dollar signs are standing in place of S's. S's. And you, you you do the rest. You do the algebra. You do the uh, cussing a algebra. A dollar sign dollar sign. Did I just did I say that too fast? No. My dad no. my dad always says I talks too fast. I talks too fast. I talk. <laughs> I don't even have time to edit my S's out. And really good too. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Anyway, <laughs> but the best thing about this article was that the snippet of this section of the book about explaining about how your gluteus muscle deforms in three different ways, and that is, can be a mechanical signal for storing adipose because you're deforming mm. it, right? It has to protect itself because you are pushing your ischial tuberosities down, thinning out the muscle underneath, is that they put it next to a picture. I don't even know where they got this. It's an image of a chair that is a sculpture of a butt sitting. Oh, man. I need to send it to you. And this could yeah. be on your Christmas list. If you're going to have a chair in your house, it should be a chair that is also a butt. <laughs> and it's lime green and it's plastic. It's hideous. Oh but gosh. I feel I, it's amazing. Like, just the fact that my name is next to this chair is also, like, what else am I going to do this year you, that's going to top that? Yeah. You probably feel like you made it with that. I did. I yeah. did. I, I would make it if they actually shipped the chair with, like, a thank you. Oh, like, be careful here, what you wish I know, for. I know. You never gonna, know what's going to show up yes, in your house. Yes, no one buy me that chair. But anyway, <laughs> yes. So it, it's been a big it's been a big 2016, and we are only 17 days deep. But It's going to be a big year for everybody. Yes. But I think that those these are kind of good segues into this show on – we're going to do a show on cardio. We're going to do a show – I get that question a lot. Cardio, movement, what about heart health? You're talking about movement – Versus exercise, you know, but I I really feel like I need cardio and how does that fit in? How does cardio fit into natural movement? So many questions about that, but we're just going to do a whole show on it. Okay. 
Um, also, February is Heart Health Month. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it's across all the waters, if it's an international thing, but our CDC, February, is technically Heart Health Month. February is also Women's Health, Heart Health Month. Certain organizations will parse out women's health. So anyway. Sounds good. Is it a heart health show? Is it a heart health show versus a cardio show? Because it seems like. Yeah, well, and that's, I think that's an awesome place to start. Yes. Because usually when you say heart health, when people say heart health, we all think cardio. I right. Need, I need cardio. I'm thinking it might be a good idea to define what we're talking about here. Yeah. Because we're all talking about something different when we throw that word around. Let's just say we have to define it to be on the same page for this show. Would you be up for that? I would. I would. I would even jog in place for that. I think anytime, you know, I, I see the list of questions that you get and I'm going, wow, I think if if everyone if everyone just took the time to search the definitions of the que- of the words that they are assembling into their questions, it would answer a lot of questions for them because cardio doesn't have as solid as a definition. Like we all kind of, oh, I know it when I see it. I know it when I'm doing it. I know when I'm struggling through it. But what is it actually um, clinically? How do we know when we're talking about what cardio I'm up from now on, I'm just going to say cardio instead of cardiovascular exercise. Cause it okay. takes too many words and I talk fast. So I think if we could find the most, I've, I was reading definitions this morning just to kind of go, Oh, if someone said, what's the definition of cardio, what would they get? And that is not a good place to get your definitions. <laughs> Cause I, I think the first, the definition actually provided my computer started with everybody knows that. And I was like, okay, that's not a definition. Oh, wow. That was the definition of cardio. It's like anything that gets your heart rate up. And I was like, well, I can get my heart rate up reading emails sometime. So that's not cardio. Yeah. Sometimes a super scary movie will do it. Yes. And, and so cardio has to mean something a little bit more specific. So I think maybe the easiest definition, the clearest there might be a situation when it doesn't hold true, but from what I could figure working on it this morning, I was saying in any exercise that works large groups of muscles, raises your heart rate, and is rhythmic in nature is really what most people mean by cardiovascular exercise and what people writing and doing research in the literature would be calling cardiovascular exercise or what they would be defining it as. But what's interesting is the definition of cardio has more to do with the effects of movement rather than the movement itself, right? Uh So if we want to compare cardio, which a lot of people do, like which cardio is better, riding a bike or running, you you could make those two events look similar if you're only measuring for the effects of cardio, which cardiovascular tends, when we think cardio, we think not of what we did to get there, but where we got to, like the results Where we got into yes okay got to wasn't clear um <laughs> so like a, a rise in breathing rate an increase in sweat maybe temperature and elevation of heart rate or maybe if you're like working with vo2 the the composition of the gases that you're giving off so you're looking at the effects and and the movements that it took to get there aren't typically considered in cardiovascular studies they're measuring your response to that, to the movements that you did. So that for me starts confounding the results or the extrapolations that you want to make from the results because you're not really measuring what you did. You're measuring the effects of what you did. And 
And I think that that theme that I'm laying out at this at the beginning here is going to come up as we try to answer these questions that people have. Okay. You're saying, I mean, the definition you prefer to work with is the results and not so much what got us there. No, I'm saying that that's or, what people think of when, when you think cardio, you're thinking of the results, not what okay. you did. Like, like you would say running is cardio. Maybe, maybe it would be, maybe you would say that or, or but. Well, sure. Just say biking and running, two kinds of the exercise that we're talking about. Is riding your beach cruiser not like, when does it become cardio? Because I could hop on my beach cruiser and ride 10 miles. I see. I see. And never really see an elevation of my heart rate beyond, you know, something small. I wouldn't be sweating. Got it. Or I could ride a bike in a way that does increase all of these things. So cardio is less to do with the mode and more to do with the intensity in which you're doing it. And it doesn't have anything to do with the geometry of what you're doing it because you could, you could be doing something that gets your heart rate up in a particular way. And you can find a similar activity that geometrically load wise, cellular load wise looks entirely different, but you could look exactly the same as far as your cardio. I see. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Talking about cardio in terms of the response, I think is why so many people are confused about it because they're not really talking about, you're not discussing movement. You're discussing the, the, the result, the physiological response to particular movements where I, and everything that I'm writing about, I'm talking about the geometrical movement and the load. Got it. I'm talking about what got you there. And sometimes our people are talking about the destination of being there at, you know, my heart rate is 152. It's like, okay, well, a heart rate of 152 you can get there multiple ways, and maybe there are ways that are more nutritious than others. So anyway, that's that'll be my perspective. I see. Okay. Well, can we kind of try and fit that? Everybody knows that you're... Everybody knows that everybody <laughs> Everybody knows. knows. Everybody knows. Everybody listening probably knows by now that your paradigm is natural and nutritious movement. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about, like, where does this discussion fit into that? Where does cardio fit into that? Well... Is it natural or nutritious movement, and does it depend... But what are we talking about? Cardio. Yeah. Are you talking about what we did to get there or? Right. And, and I think so, that's the big, this is, this is almost as tangled right now in my head as when we first started talking about junk food movement. Yeah. Because it's a lot of separation of what we're doing and what the results are. Are, are elevations in your heart rate and your breathing rate natural? Absolutely. Is working at an intense level for a sustained period of time, natural and nutritious, absolutely. So, kind of, I always think of in the same way. You want, you know, you think of like, okay, I want to load my shoulder joint in so many different ways because the different, the different geometries are all going to create different strengths and different parts, and and it will, I will have this really well-rounded strength. The same thing goes for your heart and your cardiovascular system. You don't only want to be able to function well at a resting heart rate because there's going to be a scenario when you become excited, whether it's a stress response or a surprise birthday party, which is still a stress response. You know, like people say, mm-hmm. oh, don't freak out, grandma. She'll have a heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> Why is that happening? Because grandma is not trained. She doesn't have the strength at various heart rates because she's never taken herself there. So you could say that I do cardio on a regular basis. Meaning, like, I regularly engage in things that are increasing my heart rate for extended periods of time. 
But how you go about doing it is what would make it nutritious versus not as Uh. nutritious, natural versus unnatural. So the response is natural, but how you invoked the response could be less so. Got it. Less tangly? That helps me a lot. Thank you. You're welcome. Well done. And I think the biggest confusion about cardio is that cardio makes all of you better, Mm -hmm. right? Like if I'm doing cardiovascular exercise, let's just say you're running on a treadmill. If I'm doing cardiovascular exercise, because what you're measuring, you are measuring large variables. You're measuring temperature, right? That's a whole body output. You're measuring heart rate. That's a whole body output. You're measuring VO2 max. That's a, it's the result of what your whole body is doing. However, what I have tried to tease out is you could be running and experience, you're going to experience a whole body response, but that doesn't mean that your entire body was used for that activity. And that's, that's much more my perspective is that your whole body can be moving and moving vigorously, but there are parts of you that are sedentary. So you don't want to mistake a whole body measure just because you've chosen to measure something whole body like heart rate doesn't mean that there are not cellularly sedentary parts of your body that are not receiving the benefit to movement. And so when you think of doing cardio, the reflexes like my heart and my oxygen delivery system is better. We tend to think heart with cardio, but it's really about, it's really about the ability for you to deliver your oxygen and your heart isn't delivering oxygen better when it's pumping really hard. In fact, it's... Okay, and I think a lot of people don't understand that. So thank you for saying that. You only have so much blood, and when you start working things really hard, it pulls blood away from non-working areas and then puts a lot of blood to the areas that are working. If you were doing lots of different things for cardio, this is, again, the rationale for cross-training. If you were doing lots of different things for cardio, then you would have more of a balance of oxygen distribution. It's not to say that your blood should be everywhere 100% of the time, but we tend to do the same thing for cardio over and over and over again, which means parts of us are getting that extra infusion of blood and other parts are seeing a decrease. So if your, your way of doing cardio, it looks the same all the time, then you are you could say that I'm regularly infusing these parts, or you could also look at the other side, which is like I'm regularly robbing oxygen from these parts. Yeah, starving, basically. So these parts starve and aren't receiving the benefit to movement. Only the working parts are receiving the benefit to movement, which is why I think that the idea of cardio is very confusing um, and is kind of promoting these patchy parts of health within our body. And I want to say something. I want to keep saying something. Is that okay? You know what? I'm not going to stop you. (laughs) Unless you start making words up and then I no. draw the line. And that, well, okay. you can correct my grammar at any time. Okay. Okay. So last year, December, I think it was in 2015, there was an article in the New York Times. Actually, I think it was like an online article, how exercise changes your DNA or how exercise changes our DNA. And everyone forwarded it to me because Move Your DNA had just come out. And they're like, oh my gosh, it's just what you said. Exercise <laughs> changes our DNA. And I was like, amazing. But I found the article, I'm actually going to use the article as a, as a teaching tool for our training program to, to see 
how well those of you who are following along, you know, going, I, I, I got the best, what I consider to be kudos for the show, which was someone saying, you know, I'm listening to Katie and Danny talk and I hear Danny ask a question and I'm now answering before Katie even finishes answering. I can oh, answer. Cool. I know how she's, how she's going to answer it. And I'm like, that is like, that is it. Like that that's is learning. Awesome. So yeah. I want to put this article out there to see if people who've been reading for a long time can go, oh, I, I see how this was kind of manipulated a little bit. So the article, How Exercise Changes Our DNA, was written about a study in, in the Journal of Epigenetics. I'm going to read the title. So if you want to go search it and read it, you can. But it'd be easier to just find a link to it in How Exercise Changes Our DNA because the title of it is An Integrative Analysis Reveals Coordinated Reprogramming of the Epigenome and the Transcriptome in human skeletal muscle after training. So just type in how exercise changes our DNA and link to it. The study was, they took, I don't know how many people, and they had them do, I'm making air quotes around cardio. They had them cycle vigorously, but with only one half of their body. Because it's hard to track genetic changes if if you're measuring between two different bodies. How could you see how exercise transforms a body if you're not comparing the same body against itself. Mm-hmm. So it was a clever way of going, oh, well, we can take a muscle biopsy, let's say in the quads, see what the genetics look like, have them do vigorous exercise for four or six weeks or whatever it was, and then take a second biopsy and look at how the gene changes, how the expression changes. Okay. So they had this group do cardio I'm going to, it's an air quotes. I cannot, I can't like this. This is the whole point is the fact that I'm putting cardio in air quotes right now. So this is where a podcast <laughs> is limiting. We need to do a big picture of me just going here. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing air quotes on the microphone <laughs> just to really put it in there. The genes only changed on the working side of the body. So when they went back in and did a muscle biopsy, as you can imagine, only the parts that were working received the benefit. The other leg that didn't do anything did not receive the benefit. However, that person by definition was still doing cardio. Mm. So measuring the whole body state doesn't automatically refer back to the whole body got better, right? That person was doing cardio. And what was really interesting is the conclusion of the writer of the New York Times article, as well as the researchers who were going, well, now we know how cardio works. Where for me, the conclusion was, wow, you guys, you guys just showed that it's not a whole body state of cardiovascular exercise. It's not the benefit of, I mean, if you measured someone's heart rate, it was going up. Their temperature was going up. Their breathing rate was going up. But you just showed that exercise only affects things locally. Not only... Locally, but on a genetic level, the only part receiving the benefit, receiving the benefit of a healthier phenotype from doing that exercise were the parts that were moving, that a whole body state of cardio did not affect the whole body getting better. So that was huge for me. That, that's big, yeah. We're definitely going to find that and put that in the show notes. That's awesome. Well, what was so big, though, is that like that idea escaped. And the, and the conclusion of the article was like, so that's why you guys need to keep on running. You know, and it was it was like a way of taking data and just like going like, see, I really feel like this validates what I've already been doing. And it's like kind of if anything, what it's highlighting is that you're probably not 
doing enough as far as unique and different types of things. This wasn't like really a natural movement versus unnatural movement. This was part of that nutritious movements, the bigger idea that you're only getting better in, in spots where you're working and how, how easy it is to be cellularly sedentary. What are the non-working parts? So anyway, I don't know, is discussing cardio whole body states really helpful or is it better to, to break the cardiovascular system down to the more nuanced level of what's happening at the capillary level? Yeah. And I think everybody that really follows your work, they're just kind of shooting for that balanced movement diet, hopefully. And I'm wondering where that fits in. Is how we're moving affect? It clearly does. I guess what you just said is how we're moving affect how the cardio affects us because you know, walking uphill is way different than cycling. If my heart rate's the same, I'm getting a lot more going on for my walking up the hill. Well, there's just, there's different, there's different parts of you. It's just different parts of you getting it. So, you know, if I wore a heart rate monitor all day long, I would see that my, my heart rate is, is, it's fluctuating with my activity. Again, our idea of cardio comes from doing nothing the bulk of the time and then doing something at a higher intensity versus the benefit of your heart rate going up and down kind of throughout the day. And also kind of acknowledging that there's not that many intense things to do that day. So it's, you know, I talk about trying to get more movement into your regular life and people are doing great jobs from like what they're sharing. Like they're really transitioning to a movement-based lifestyle. That all being said, maybe they're still not choosing the intenser of the natural movements. You know what I mean? Like you could say, hey, I moved all day long, but maybe you kind of putted around your house and you sat on the floor and you did all these great things, which are amazing. I don't want to take anything away from that. But you would still, you know, need to hoof it. Carrying your groceries, carrying your groceries home is like a good example of like struggling. Carrying kids for a long period of time is the example of struggling. It's not a fast movement but it can quickly become an intense one when you add 50 pounds Mm -hmm. to your frame and you're not, it's not like in a backpack, you know, when you got this kind of squirming kid on you. So it's those, those types of things really starting to get rid of conveniences that keep not only your movement down, but the intensity of movement down as well. What do you think about, and you've probably read this a bunch of times, but like a lot of primal movement and paleo movement really advocate short sprints Instead of like going out and running, they're just saying, you know, just sprint for a minute because it's supposedly more like how we would move in nature, you know, chasing after a rabbit or running from a large rabbit with fangs, things like that. I mean, what do you think of that? I I think that there's I think that there's a lot of validity there. I mean, I think that there's periods of time. It's kind of with nutritious movement and natural movement as a as an idea you want to think about. Natural movement's going to change over the course of a lifetime. So what a child does is different than what a middle-aged person does, which is different than what an older person does. What about a pregnant person? What about a person who's carrying an infant? Like so you have to kind That's of good point. You know, it's a it's broader than just saying what what people do. And what's happened I think a lot in the ancestral health movement are the movements that are being teased out tend to be did I, have we talked about this before everyone wants to be a hunter like you're you're yeah. you're trying to take a natural movement paradigm which is like saying that there's all these things that people do for natural movement and then only pulling out like the hard ones 
so that you can replace your workout program with the hardest of natural movements. And not that they're not supposed to be there, but it's like the period and distribution of them should still be set in a population of people who are moving more throughout the day. And also not everyone was doing all like combatives are not something that every single person was doing. So there's this other kind of more new, there's roles, there's roles. Like that makes sense. Pack animals have roles. Yeah. And you've brought that up before where you've said that it's the pace. I think it was the pace of, of natural movement is just life. And that's something we should always try and reiterate. And I, and I sprint, but I don't go out. I usually don't go out. like, I'm going to go do five sprints right now because that's natural. It's more like my kids are like into running right now. They're just, they just run, we run downhill. So I'll just run to catch up with them. And a lot of times it fits in naturally like, Oh, now they're running to the road. All right. Okay. I just sprint. I just like, <laughs> Hey, and there your heart rate went up too. And my heart rate was more. up. And yeah. And so I, I have, I have found that I do lots of those things kind of naturally. I'm not usually sprinting from danger, but we've been tr- doing some animal tracking and we have found that like walking quickly in a squat squatted position through the underbrush so that you can pop up on a coyote is hard. You know, your heart rate's bumping, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just, you can play with speed and you can play with position. It doesn't always have to be, you know, going super fast over flat and level repetitiously. So anyway. Okay. Oh, that makes sense. And thank you for bringing me back to that. But I also think, I think that a big contribution that I have put, an idea that I put out before, I think it was in Alignment Matters, it's so when I wrote those like blood physics and more blood physics posts was like, we want to do stuff for our heart. We want our heart to be healthy. We've picked out this body part and given it a hierarchy and placed it on top and said, okay, I'm going to train you. Look at me. I'm, gonna, I'm looking at you, heart and lungs. I'm going to train you. But here's how your cardiovascular system works. Like you have, can I give a quick lesson? Please, please. You want, you want me to give you a quick lesson, right? Yeah. Well, and I, I just think just since we're defining, let's get really clear. Yeah. Your heart and your lungs are connected through this tubing system that runs throughout your entire body. So it's organized in in terms of size. You have your arteries which are your big tubes. And it's pictured to move your DNA, right? If you open up, mm-hmm. if you open up a textbook when you're looking at like here's the cardiovascular system, all you see are tubes. You see these giant tubes. Yeah, here's the big a big tubes. red one. It just shows you the big tubes. Here's the big blue ones. They all like there's just like one highway down your arm. There's mm-hmm. like one highway down each leg. You got a, you know, two highways up to your brain. Like and so you you get this very simplified system of like this is my cardiovascular system. This is what I'm training. I elevate my heart and my heart starts like thrashing the blood around in this big tube and the ability is for me to be able to do that and recover quickly. But your cardiovascular system's job is not only to be able to go up and down in terms of heart rate, bring it up really high. Like cardio used to be what it was originally used for is how high can we get your heart rate and you still recover within a minute. So it was about how fast you could get your heart rate down after it being after it being accelerated, not how long can you hold it accelerated. So it's kind of branched off into different things over the years, which is fine. They're all different skills. But your cardiovascular system's job, if you had to pick a much more nuanced job and a job that you're likely to experience disease from first, if it's not doing way before you would experience a heart attack due to like a sudden rise in blood velocity, blood flow velocity that you couldn't handle, like being startled, you know, which would cause like a heart attack is the fact that you are not delivering red blood cells everywhere throughout your body. 
the heart and lungs job is to take in oxygen and deliver oxygenated, you know, red blood cells throughout all of your tissues. That's their feeding system. You eat, you put food in your mouth, but the cells need food and that food is oxygen. And that's what your heart and lungs are doing 100% of the time, hopefully. And when they're not doing it, things start to die or denature. So when you look at the cardiovascular tubing system that does that job, that is happening at the capillary level. So you've got these big tubes, which are your arteries. And then from these big tubes are smaller tubes that branch off and are arterioles. So they are, they are, if you look at that big anatomy picture, a lot of times off the big ones, you'll see like they just kind of imply that there's something branching off by putting little like, oh, and then it branches off here and it branches off here. <laughs> but then from those smaller vessels, capillaries are branching off of that. And I just, where did I read this? I read that there was something like 60,000 miles covered in your capillaries. It might've been capillaries, veins, arteries, the whole thing, but 60, but the bulk of it, the bulk of it is in capillary form. So there is a, if you've ever get, if you ever get a chance to go see body worlds, you can see that when they strip away everything of a body except the capillaries, you are still looking at the bulk of a mass. Can they maintain those? I mean, they can they can leave those when they Yes, they can. That is cool. And that you is can, really cool. Yeah, you can see it. You could probably Google search it, you know, like Body World's capillaries. So you can see like the that the mass there is huge. It's just very thin. And so that is the destination that your blood must reach. And those capillaries are what you infuse when a muscle is working and which you draw away from when a muscle is not. You're never going to get the blood to stop flowing in the arteries or else you're probably having an episode right now. Please go to the emergency room. But <laughs> hold on. You can, can I just read really quick about how many capillaries like what you said, because you just have one sentence that illustrates very well how dense the capillary system is in our body. Yeah. Where is it from? It's from Move Your DNA. Okay. And you just say, almost every cell in your body is within a few hair widths distance from a capillary. Okay. And you have trillions of cells in your body. Yeah. It's just, that's dense. Yeah. And I don't think we think that because we're all used to that anatomy no. picture with the few big tubes. Exactly. And when you look at just the illustration and move your DNA, it's kind of like those um, fan corals that you see that are just like mm-hmm. all these brachials and branches it, it's it's crazy, and it really changed how I thought about moving blood through my body because there's no way the heart could do all that. And it's just another way. It's just another way of of anatomy, like the reduction that is necessary for teaching the parts. It's like leading. You're like leading the witness a little bit to go. So don't you want to do things that really like get the blood threshing through this too really fast? Because that's a good indication of your heart instead of like going well. I don't know. Not if it, not if it's pulling the uh, blood away from my digestive system. Mm-hmm. You know, not if it's removing the blood flow so it'll pull it'll shut the doors really wow to those smaller areas that that aren't moving or working and so I, I think a full health disclosure is always helpful you know just to kind of see the organ health of people who do chronic cardio not just the physique it's hard to look past the super lean like glistening moist tan oh god stop it physique <laughs> We all like our whole. It's like in the same way we only see tubes. We only see physique as an indicator of health. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot going on besides that that skin and the lack of fat on it, or whatever it is that you're seeing that you're in your mind is like health. So 
something else that I think is important is that you're a shape shifter and that trickles down all the way to the cellular level, but it's also the shape of your cardiovascular system is going to change the number of capillaries. We've talked about, oh, you wear high heels for a long time and, and you can lose sarcomeres and change the lengths of your muscles, but you change the number of your capillaries all the time based on what you are and aren't doing. So how you use your body really sets you up for the ability for blood to really flow well through an area. Because by the time, by the time, this might be too much for a podcast, but like you're, you're it's all in move your DNA. Your tubes, the bigger tubes, they're like highways, right? They're like, they're like a Southern California, like the 405 in Southern California. It's just six lanes packed. There's all these red blood cells, kind of like, um, Think of like uh, in Finding Nemo, like when all the fish are just like, it's like a whole thing of fish and they're just, they're all kind of going in the same direction, but they're kind of going, crossing each other. And then a smaller group of fish get off to the arteries, but by the time, or off the arterioles, but by the time you get to the capillary, there's only room for every single cell to go through single files. So so just That's like a residential street or something. It's just like a yes, it's like a it's like no, it's more like a one lane highway. It's like a one lane dirt road. Okay. You're going slow. You're going much slower than you were on the freeway. So it's not only the density of blood, it's the rate changes. Fast through the highways. But as you go mm. off, you're starting to go slow because there needs to be time for that red blood cell to get out. So like the your blood vessels are outside of your body. They're a tube. It's it's housed within your body, but they're not that blood is not interacting with your cells, kind of like in the same way you can your digestive tube is like in your body, but because oh I see okay that red blood cell doesn't do your like it has to get to its good. destination it first. has to get to its destination it has to okay. pull into the driveway of the house Got it. to have arrived wow. it's not arrived when it's on that single cell dirt road so they're going slow through there and they're just they're the rest of your blood vessels like the muscles that they live in should be very supple. They're constantly changing in diameter based on where your blood needs to go. Stiff muscles, stiff arteries. So the less your muscle moves, the less that artery is able to change diameter and respond to this constant, which should be this constant change. But remind me to come back to that yes, in a second. Please. So by the time the blood vessel gets to the capillary, it's just having to diffuse across, it's just moving across a very single cell wall. So the, the walls of the capillaries are not muscular in nature. They don't change. They can only increase or decrease in number. So if you worked a particular area that hadn't been worked before, you're going to be pushing a lot of blood to that area. You're actually pulling it by the, by the dilation of your arterioles. They open, more blood comes in, but now you just have more cars or red blood cells trying to get down this single lane highway. So that is this mechanical signal for your body to then make more capillaries. It has to make more single lane roads because it's great, but it's a very organic system. Use it or lose it. If you don't need it, it's not going to be maintaining those roads, like county roads. Why spend all the money maintaining them if you're not going to use them? So you'll quickly see those vessels disappear and if you use it more, you will grow more. So you're, you're growing more containers for your blood, which means less has to be stored in your arteries. This should be important for people who have high blood pressure. Wow. Right? High blood pressure is just, it's just pressure. You have too much stuff in a particular shape. 
Good news is you can change your shape. You change your shape by adding more containers for that blood, but it requires movement. And the containers only stay open when you are moving. So anyway, that's crazy. I find hemodyna- hemodynamics for me is, is maybe the most fascinating and is maybe the most misunderstood component of, of exercise in the traditional, like where I need cardio and strength and flexibility, because it, those three categories make it seem like it's not all interrelated right. when it's absolutely related. I think when I first started studying your stuff, that was your lesson on hemodynamics was what made me really listen to you because I spent my whole life thinking my heart was doing all the work. Yeah. And to know that it was that muscle movement. I mean, that just opened up a whole new world and really that was the impetus for me to increase my movement. And that just made sense to me. Well, also the danger, the Mm -hmm. danger of only increasing the work of your heart and still keeping a small container. Yes. That's what the blood physics was about. Yes. Because that was my big, that's when I came, you know, that was the blasphemous thing that I was saying, which is like, you have this teeny tiny container and you're not following an exercise prescription that is growing you more capillaries. All you're doing is rushing you're just rushing the blood around and the larger things higher. You're increasing your blood pressure while you're moving. And and it was a I'm trying to propose the mechanism that for people who do have, you know, cardiac episodes associated, why are they associated with bouts of exercise if all cardio is good? And it's like, well, again, we're talking about dosage. We're talking about uh, the context. What is what is this body that's very stiff that you then are gonna not you're going to prioritize rushing the blood around in a stiff container. You're not also taking steps to increase the size of your container, which would require that you mobilize parts that aren't mobile and become less cellularly sedentary, become less sedentary overall, but also making sure that you don't have these stiff spots that aren't participating because those are areas that should be holding blood when you're moving that aren't. And that's the stiff muscle, stiff arteries part. Yes, right. I think one of my most popular Instagram posts was a picture of a river. Like rivers, your body functions, if you're an ecologist or if you're you know, someone who studies water dynamics, whether it's in an engineering setting like tubing with artificial materials or the flow of water through a natural setting and how the shapes of rivers change over time and how tributaries are constantly branching off. You got like debris falling because the water is eroding the soil. You got a tree fall. Now you now the river has to go around the tree. So that all that happens in your blood vessels as well. You just develop collateral blood flow. You'll you'll develop a new highway, something that wasn't there before because blood needs to keep flowing. And you are constantly you you are reshaping your cardiovascular system with how you choose to flow your blood. You don't think that you have any control over the flow of your blood, but you actually do. Every movement and that you choose to do or don't is is affecting how your blood is flowing. So you're kind of slowly carving and you're shaping, you're shaping the arterial system. But what makes the arterial system so great compared to a river, I don't want to say like that we're better than a river because rivers are amazing, but what makes it different. So I've, I mean, I've had people who are fluid, they're like fluid physics people. They're like, well, I were, I mean, like it's very hard to get laminar blood flow. So laminar flow is... When everything is flowing pretty much in the same direction, it's smooth, turbulent flow. If you've been on an airplane, it's when the air isn't all moving in the same direction. And so there's eddies or swirls in it. And if you have a swirl in blood flow, when even if blood is all coming in smoothly to a place where the blood has got like a little whirlpool in it, 
that whirlpool is going to create a whirlpool out of the smooth blood coming into it, right? That's mm -hmm. that's how it works. A little bit, a little pocket of turbulent flow is going to wreck the flow for everything kind of in that area. It's going to make it all turbulent. So as you do things that change, I, I'll say the velocity of your blood flow because velocity has two components. It's not just the rate, but it's also the direction. So anytime you have a burst of activity or a burst of emotion or a burst of adrenaline or however you want to think about it, where you you are ex you're experiencing a surge, there's been a, a dump of chemicals that says like, you need to get out of here or whatever it's mm -hmm. doing. You are then taking blood that was flowing one way and the chemicals are triggering doors opening and shutting as far as your blood vessels goes, opening tubes, closing tubes back up because you ne it needs to get your blood going faster because you're using more oxygen now. So it needs to deliver the oxygen faster, replenish it faster. So you are this beautiful series of trap doors that are so sensitive mechanically that they can dilate to the perfect amount or constrict to the perfect amount based on the message that's being sent by the blood. But the ability for those vessels to open and close depends on their suppleness. Mm. So if you have a stiff artery or an artery that is stiffened because it has cholesterol attached to the wall of it. Or can it just be stiff from lack of natural, like if I'm just sitting in the same position yes. all day? Yes. Okay. But those two things are not mutually exclusive. Okay. So there's a mechan there's a mechanical reason. Like it's not just stiff because you're sitting there all day. It has adapted to your sitting position and has changed in its mass distribution. So the shape of the blood vessel has been affected by you, not just sitting throughout the day, it's sitting throughout your life, sitting throughout the last 10 years, 50 years, however you want to think about it. So there's a there's a structural adaptation. It's not just stiff in the same way that your muscles aren't just tight. There has been a mass change. Some mass okay. has changed, whether your fascia is clumpy or contracting or the number of sarcomeres are less. Like there's some physical change in your shape, a difference in mass distribution, mass distribution. <laughs> did I say mass distribution? That, that is did, amazing. I think that should be a word that I will let slide oh, thank because you. that is good. Thank you. Ding. Thank you very much. So when you then go, okay, I've been sitting on the couch, I'm going to get healthy. And you've been sitting your entire life. You have a shape that has facilitated your previous lifestyle. And then you go, hey, I'm going to go do cardio because cardio is good. And I read a textbook and here's what's going to happen. I'm going to increase my rate of blood flow and that's going to be awesome. But that textbook model doesn't really apply to you because your arteries don't move. Your arteries don't get bigger or smaller. So all you're doing is inducing mm. the rate of blood flow and you're creating lots of turbulent flow. So it's not to say that increases in heart rate are not natural, that they're not awesome and health making. It's just you have to consider that you might not have the structure that allows for that right now, that there's a different prescription or priority of movement that would better serve you, which is start to get the tubes more malleable, start to get the body more malleable. So that's like this idea of mobility and then, and then make sure that all of your parts are able to contract and release, that you're not taking your stiff parts with you as you go out and do your run, in which case you're not really affecting yourself at the cellular level and you could be causing a problem. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's what those posts are about. So anyway. So it's really less about the cardio and more about you because that change in blood flow is natural, but your parts aren't dealing with that 
yeah. the way that maybe they ought to. It's the same argument with like natural birth, right? It's mm-hmm. like we want to say what's natural, but the part that we need to acknowledge is, but our structures are not the natural the natural version that would be doing these natural things. And there needs to be a transition. You transition to minimal footwear, you need to transition to be able to do cardio. And then you want to make sure that the cardio that you're choosing to do is coming from a natural source. Does that make sense? It does. Okay. It does. And I think that's something that I like you just touched on briefly is that it's that expectation that we put on our hearts, you know, all day long if we're sitting or all lifelong, you know, but if if we're sitting and we're fairly like one of those sedentary fit people, right? I'm, I'm going to get up and I'm going to work all day for eight hours and then I'm going to head to the gym and run or take out the door and run. My heart has been working all day to get stuff as far as it can through my body because I'm not really moving. My muscles aren't really yeah. helping that move, right? It's just my right. heart's having to work hard. But the cardiovascular system doesn't include the muscles, right? In right. the picture, it's just a heart and tubes. It's like, but that's not how it actually works. It is the rhythmic action of your muscles that signal the opening of the tubes. So not only like you stress your heart by not moving because the heart, one, it's nice because there's not that much oxygen to deliver. But two, you are asking that your heart pump regularly against quite a bit of resistance just throughout the Mm -hmm. day because you're not going to help. I'm not going to move anything. You know, I'm just going to sit here and the heart has to do the work and you've you've removed a lot of the key team players that would move those balls forward. Those, uh, I'm I'm getting in the Super Bowl spirit, right? You got to, you got to move your... (laughs) You got to move your oxygen balls forward and it takes a lot of players. And we're just like, here, heart, you do it. And then when I'm done making you work all day, like I'm, then I'm going to like ramp you up to, yeah. make you, to work really hard. And the good news is when you do that, at least you're using more muscles to facilitate. But there's just a different, there's a whole different paradigm of viewing what cardiovascular health mm-hmm. actually is. So that's all I'm just putting out there. I think if people understood what that really means to their bodies, they would look at movement habits in a whole different way. In a whole different light. And I think I think they are. Well, and I just, I got to give another shout out for Move Your DNA. And it doesn't really matter that Katie's my friend or that we do a podcast together. Because I think everybody with a body should read that book or listen to it. But the illustrations are really good. Well, you know what? Even if you get the audio book, there is still a PDF supplement. Oh, sweet. Okay, pictures. good. Good. Yeah. But it's like a textbook to me. And it's, for me, it's all curled and the cover's ripped and there's post-it notes and stuff. But... Every time I open it and reread something, I, I learn a lot. And it really is, it's like a textbook for for your body. Yeah. If you haven't indulged, please do. That's all I have to say about that. Nobody paid me for that. That was just my own endorsement. It's a really good book. And first time you read it, it's got some really big ideas that kind of just make you stop and think. But there's a lot in there. There is so much in there. You could read that book a lot. Like sometimes it'll just be like a word. Or not a word, like a sentence mm-hmm. that I've dropped in that it's like, there's a whole other door of stuff that I did not put in this book because it would just be too long. It's yeah. just a primer, primer on a new way of thinking about oh, movement. But thank good. you. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, I love it. So that's about it. We totally, and this is hilarious, we forgot a movement break. <laughs> <laughs> it's not important. It's not important. Oh. Just jog in place. Yeah. Just jog in place. <laughs> just jog in place. Hilarious. Just jog in place. Can I tell you, here's my biggest, if you're like, Oh, heart health, stiff muscles. I don't know where to go. Get your arms over your head. I don't know if I gave this tip before, but your arms being down by at your side, I do not think that's good for your heart. 
at all. So if you did nothing else, you know, we focus so much on the lower body because we're trying to improve gait and all these forces and loads that are created through every step. So the arms still, even through this corrective, mo- this corrective idea, don't get served as well as the lower half of the body. So just reaching your arms up over your head, you know, reach one and then the other, like kind of like calisthenic style, just to break up the motion, move them front and back a little bit, just to, they're so stiff. Like you have no idea how stiff they actually are. That feels good. Especially when you get, you can develop a lot of hypermobility in response to the tension. So you get a lot of movement of your arm, but it's not actually at that muscular level. So anyway, move. All right, there's your movement break. There's your movement break, right. And and now we're done. (laughs) And my heart rate is up. Like that's crazy. As I was doing it and talking, I could be like, oh, I felt an increase in my heart rate. Well, I'm I'm teaching a bunch of Girl Scouts knife skills tomorrow. I bet you my heart rate will go up and... My, my feet won't be moving at all. Just make sure it's rhythmic and action. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. I just want to give a quick, did you want to say anything else or, or shall I? No, I've said enough. Yeah. <laughs> I've said enough. I just want to give a shout out to our listeners. You know this and I know this, but they are the nicest, smartest people, funny and supportive. I just want to say you're not biased at all i'm not biased at all but i just (laughs) i taught a workshop a couple weeks ago and 75 percent were people that listened to the podcast that came and what a delight to meet i'm going to do the romper room i see you tammy i see you jen and jennifer they were just great and just funny smart great questions people that want to move better and i love it that's all i have to say well, on another note, like I have been, I have gotten some really great emails from from different professors and different researchers that have been joyously kind and appreciative and supportive and going, "Hey, thanks for that. Like I did this and this research and thing." And so it's it's not just in the listeners, the podcast listeners, but just people who read this stuff and it's like shifting I mean, good housekeeping, man. It changed that. But it's like it's shifting. It's shifting the way people are considering how to do research design. And, you know, I don't really participate much in that academic community because I've just chosen to go a different route. But to still have my hands on. I had a, a great exchange with a math professor who read Move Your DNA. And, and math, mo- math models in biology are challenging. That's a big um, academically speaking. There's a an age old, I'm not going to say conflict, but modeling a biological phenomena is tough because you have to reduce it somehow. So in Move Your DNA and in in the foot book, I used a factorial, right, for all the Uh way that a foot can conform. So he was like, here's an even, he's like, this is a great book, but here's an even like more refined model. So I just updated the book based on his model. Oh, cool. But then that led it, it was like, oh, but you know what? That doesn't even, that's not going to hold for like the knee because here's actually... The knee isn't really one joint, right? The knee is three bones. And so while we'll call it one joint for simplicity, we wouldn't say that the knee joint was that different just because the lower leg was turned out or whatnot. Like there's three bones and just, it was this, it's just so nice to have conversations with people who communicate in a very, they're just kindness. Like there's just, there's just a, like, they're just thinking of the words, they're considerate mm-hmm. and they're like, what about this? That's you know, awesome. And having, and I'm like, this is so much, this is so helpful. I got to refine a biological model. That's never happened to me before. I've never been part of refining a mathematical model and now it exists and this is cool. And we're still continuing to refine it. And I'm in a relationship now with this 
very kind person in a different country. And um, yeah, it's um, exciting. That's it's cool. exciting because I get to, I get to know my own work better right. through other people's interactions, and that's fantastic. Well, you're you're a good science communicator yourself. You're like the Neil deGrasse Tyson of movement. I just want to say that's who you are. Why? Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. You and you. Thank you, Danny. <laughs> Thank you for listening. I mean, out of all, like, you're the one that's to sit and listen the most. Like, you like, you're obligated. Uh, Anyone else can turn this off, but you can't be like, yeah, I'm out. Yeah. Well, let me know when you're done recording. We need to let them go and create a demand for more capillaries in their bodies. There you go. That's right. Stop. So, so thank you for listening, but stop it. Stop it right now. <laughs> for more information, after you have walked, after you have moved, after you've waved your arms in the air like you don't care, you can find audiobooks, right? That's where it is right now. You can find mm-hmm. online classes. You can find me um, at nutritiousmovement.com. And you can learn more about Danny Hemmett, Movement Warrior, and what's your blood type? AB negative. Movement Warrior and AB negative. I'm O positive. <laughs> I am O positive. Are you O positive? I am. Excellent. You can find Danny always at moveyourbodybetter.com unless she's outside, not online, which is probably most of the time. Yes, and then leave a message. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Bye. We hope you find the general information on biomechanics, movement, and alignment informative and helpful, but it is not intended to replace medical advice and shouldn't be used as such. 